0: Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, that's where we'll spend the majority of our time together this morning. We are continuing our series titled, Do Unto Others. We are unpacking God's truth for our lives and relationships found in the golden rule. Jesus taught us the golden rule in Matthew 7 and verse 12, when he said, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. What we want to get from others, we are to give to others. Two quick points for us from the golden rule. Number one, God wants us to be involved with others. There is no place in the body of Christ for Lone Ranger Christ followers. We know and understand that Satan wants isolation. God wants involvement. Satan wants to isolate us from God and one another so that he can discourage and divide us by his lies to us. God wants us to be involved with one another. God wants us to do life together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We are family in Jesus and we need each other. We need one another's accountability and comfort and encouragement and love and help and prayers and support. And I could go on and on. And on. We need each other. We need to be involved with one another. We are safer together as followers of Jesus. We are smarter together as followers of Jesus. We are stronger together as followers of Jesus. God wants us to be involved with others. The second point we see immediately uh, from the Golden Rule is God wants us to take the initiative with others. God took the initiative with us in Christ Jesus. As Paul said, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As John said, love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We imitate God as we take the initiative in doing for others. We imitate God as we go first in doing for others. We see that Jesus did not say, after others have done for you, then you can go ahead and do for them. Jesus said, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. And as we've been learning over these past couple of weeks, if we want others to live in peace with us, we must live in peace with others. God wants peace to prevail in his family. Peace again is the inner calm, confidence, and contentment that we have with God because we know we are right with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are no longer at war with God due to our sin against God. We have peace with God, we have harmony with God by faith in Jesus. We have this peace as well, this harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Peace is the harmony we enjoy together because we're members of God's family. So it makes perfect sense to each one of us, I'm sure this morning, that God wants us to live in peace with one another. Thankfully, peace is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which means... God produces peace in us by the power of His Holy Spirit in us as we walk by the Spirit. So God wants wants peace to prevail in his family. God's taken the initiative with us, and he has made peace with us in Christ Jesus. We enjoy this peace with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and God wants us to live in harmony with one another. While that's happening, God will continue to grow us in the image of Christ, and he'll produce peace in us so that we can live in harmony with one another as we walk by his spirit day by day. So let's look once again at God's path to peace found in Philippians chapter 4 from the Apostle Paul. Again, the context of this teaching from Paul is a conflict with a couple of ladies in the church in Philippi, Uadia and Suntuke. This conflict between these ladies was damaging the church in Philippi. These ladies were sisters in Christ Jesus. These ladies were mature in their faith in Christ Jesus. They had contended with Paul at Paul's side for the sake of the gospel. These ladies understood and knew the gospel. They had received the gospel message for them personally. The good news of the gospel is God has made a way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with him by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfect life for us. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary as our substitute. He took our place. He paid our price for sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day victorious over sin and death for you and for me. Salvation is available to all who will believe in Jesus, repent of their sins, and place their faith in Jesus. These ladies had contended at Paul's side for the gospel, yet they were living their way rather than God's way. They were walking by the flesh, not the spirit. Their refusal to reconcile with one another so that they could live in peace with one another was damaging, certainly, their relationship with God. It was damaging their relationship with one another, and it was damaging the witness of the church in Philippi. It was hindering the good news of the gospel going forth through the believers in Philippi because this conflict was well known within the body and it was affecting those outside the body of Christ. We know conflict is a part of life. And after spending much time with family over Thanksgiving this week, maybe you've had an opportunity to do some conflict resolution. We know conflict is a part of life. Not all conflict is bad. Conflict, as we have share, can help us grow closer to God and one another when we resolve conflict God's way. The challenge is always the same, that is to resolve conflict God's way. This conflict was not being resolved in God's way between these two ladies. This particular conflict between U.I.D. and Sutucate was bad in every way. It was not good, which is why Paul addressed this conflict. We have already Uh, covered and learned a few of these initial points on God's path to peace over the past couple of Sundays. So I want us to do a quick review of where we've been as we continue to press forward into this passage in Philippians chapter 4 together this morning. Beginning in verse 1, Paul wrote, So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Paul challenged these believers, his dear friends, to stand firm in the Lord. Paul then instructed these believers, his dear friends, on how to stand firm in the Lord, which is what we're looking at in the verses that follow. Verse 2, I urge you, Adea and Sunteke, to agree in the Lord. Paul made it clear from the very start that we cannot stand firm in the Lord together unless we are living in peace together. And then he begins sharing God's path to peace in this passage with us. The first point is I must agree in the Lord. Paul said to Euodia and Suntuke, I urge you to agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord means the Lord comes first in our lives and relationships. Therefore, we are going to do what he says. We're going to think his way. We're going to do what he says. Agree in the Lord for these ladies meant end your conflict seek forgiveness from one another show forgiveness to one another live in peace with one another love one another as sisters in christ so that you can continue to contend for the gospel message the good news of the gospel the second point is i must help make peace you and i are to be peacemakers we must help make peace. In verse 3, Paul continued, Yes, I ask also you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Paul here addressed and urged you idea and soon to came first, then he took another step deeper and he called out his true partner in the faith, his teammate in Christ Jesus. That means a fellow worker in the ministry. More than likely this true partner was someone who was a leader in the church in Philippi, someone that Paul had served with. More than likely someone Paul had discipled during his time of ministry there in Philippi. And so what Paul was saying was, listen, when there is unresolved conflict in the body of Christ, when there's unresolved conflict between brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, it's not just those brothers and sisters who are in conflict. It's not just their responsibility to resolve the conflict God's way. No, when there's unresolved conflict in the body of Christ, it's everyone in the body of Christ's responsibility to help them resolve the conflict God's way, to get peace there in the family. And so we ask this true partner, this team in the faith, help assist these ladies to agree in the Lord. Help here is a present command. And so this was a command from Paul to his teammate in the faith to help these ladies reconcile with one another so that they could live in peace with one another. As we know, God teaches us in his word that God wants us to do all we can to live at peace with everyone. We're to do all we can to live at peace with everyone. We're also called to help make peace where there's conflict. We're to be peacemakers. We're to be peacemakers as it relates to our own personal relationships with those that God has placed around us, but we're also to be peacemakers for our brothers and sisters in Christ who may be living in conflict because we know conflict that's unresolved hurts the body of Christ. It hurts our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Jesus told us, blessed are the peacemakers. Paul told us, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The peace that we have with one another in Christ Jesus. The third point, as we continue, is that we must, I must, rejoice in the Lord. He continued and said in verse 4 and 5, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Rejoicing is a conscious decision each one of us must make. Rejoicing in the Lord is a decision of our will that we must make day after day after day. Our rejoicing is not in our circumstances. Our rejoicing is not in ourselves. Our rejoicing is not in others. Our rejoicing, as Paul said, is in the Lord. We're to rejoice in the Lord. As the psalmist said, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist made the decision, I'll rejoice and be glad in today. And so we see here in this passage that Paul's told us, stand firm in the Lord, agree in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. Paul commanded these ladies, these believers in the church of Philippi, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the relationship you have with one another and with God by faith in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in God's power to help resolve the conflict. Rejoice in God's power to help you live in peace with one another. Rejoice in God's power to help you love one another like Jesus. Rejoice in God's graciousness in Jesus. Rejoice in God's gentleness in Jesus. Rejoice in God's presence to help you live his way. This is what Paul was sharing with these ladies and the believers in the church of Philippi. And we too today are called by God to rejoice in the Lord always. We're to rejoice in the Lord always, if for no other reason, because the Lord is always with us. We're to rejoice in the Lord and our relationship with God and one another by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We're to rejoice in the Lord, in his power to help us resolve conflict his way, to rejoice in the Lord and in his power to help us live in peace with one another, to rejoice in the Lord and his power to help us love one another like Jesus, to rejoice in the Lord in his power to help us do all that he asks us to do, to rejoice in the Lord in his power to be a blessing to those he places around us. We can rejoice in Lord in the Lord always. His graciousness, his gentleness to us in Christ Jesus, his power in us, his presence with us to do all that he asks us to do. And then he continues with the fourth point. And the fourth point we see is I must pray. If we're gonna resolve conflict God's way, we gotta pray. If we're gonna resolve conflict the way God wants us to, we must pray. We see in verses six and seven don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul said, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Now, there's some points that we can draw out real quickly in regards to prayer and how it plays a part in God's path to peace in our relationships. First, we see that Paul taught us to pray all the time. He taught us to pray all the time. In verse six, there are two present imperatives. That means there are two daily commands that God wants us to obey. The two commands are, don't worry about anything and present your request to God. In other words, stop worrying, start praying. Prayer is to be our daily habit prayer is to be our first resource no matter what comes our way pray no matter who comes our way pray We begin our communication with the Father in prayer as we wake up in the morning. We spend time with God in the morning, and we begin communicating with God. But we don't ever say amen. We just continue to carry on that conversation with God all throughout the day. No matter what comes our way, we're continuing to communicate with God. We're continuing to talk to Him throughout the day. And we finish that conversation when we're able to lay our heads to sleep. And we thank God for all that He has done for us throughout the day. And we pick that conversation back up when God wakes us up. We continue to pray all the time. Paul said, in everything, pray. In everything, pray means in everything, pray. There is nothing too big or small for us to take to the Father in prayer. If it registers with us, If there is something or someone that God brings to our mind, if there is something or someone that begins to weigh on our hearts and minds, if there's something or someone that we begin to focus on and consider and think about, if it makes a difference to us, then we can take it to the Father in prayer. We need to begin to pray. Pray all the time. Secondly, we see Paul told us and he taught us, be thankful as we pray. He said, be thankful as we pray. He said, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, say that with me, with thanksgiving, one more time, with thanksgiving. As we pray all the time, we make sure that we incorporate thanksgiving in our prayers at some point, thankful that we can pray because the privilege of prayer was purchased for us by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He opened the way for us to communicate with God by his finished work on the cross, which provides us with salvation. Thankful that we can pray. Thankful that God wants us to pray. God told Jeremiah, Call to me. Jesus said, Ask him, we will give you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open thankful that God hears our prayers, thankful that God answers our prayers, thankful that God's answers to our prayers are always best for us, thankful that God's answers to our prayers, which are best for us, are always in line and in accordance with his will for us. Thankful that we can pray for one another. Thankful that we can pray with one another. Thankfulness. To be thankful as we pray. We pray all the time We're to be thankful as we pray. Again, this helps us to move down God's path to peace. Prayer helps us as it relates to peace. The third point we see here is the more we pray, the less we stress. The more we pray, the less we stress. It's real clear. Paul said, stop worrying. He said, don't worry about anything. It means stop worrying. That was the command. as was a present imperative. Stop worrying day by day. What does that mean? It meant this. They were worrying. That's what it meant. Don't worry about anything. meant they were worrying. There was this sin of worry that had made its way inside this family of faith in Christ Jesus. They were worried. They were anxious. They were stressed out. Now, we're not exactly sure all the reasons if they were worried and stressed out and anxious, but we know based on the context of Paul's letter to the believers of Philippi, their worry, their anxiety could have been in part due to the challenges of living out their faith in Jesus in a world opposed to Jesus. Paul had talked to them about the reality. He had actually taught them about the reality of that there will be times of persecution and suffering that come our way as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul obviously understood this. He was writing this letter to them from a prison cell. He was in chains for Christ Jesus. As he said, he was an ambassador for Christ Jesus in chains. So we know as we read what Paul wrote to these believers that there could have been some, some worry. There could have been some anxiety within these believers due to the challenges they face of living out their faith in Jesus, challenges of persecution, of suffering for Christ Jesus. As Paul said, it's been appointed to us to to suffer for Christ in his name. But we also know that more than likely, at least in part, this command don't worry about anything, this command to them to stop worrying was at least in part linked to this unresolved conflict between these two ladies, U.I.D. and Suntike, and the church in Philippi. Their conflict with one another, of the broken relationship, the broken fellowship they had with one another. These ladies, again, were leaders in the church. There's no question that this was creating some stress, some anxiety within the body of Christ. And so we know and understand that they needed to to resolve that conflict. So we understand and realize that this, this conflict between these ladies had something to do with that worry, that anxiety that we see going on here. We know worry... When Paul said, don't worry about anything, worry literally means to divide, to distract, and to draw in different directions. It means to divide and to distract and to draw in different directions. I like what one pastor said about worry. Worry is defined as calculating without depending on God. Worry is calculating without depending on God. Worry and anxiety is what? results in our lives when we choose not to think about God, trust in God, turn to God and talk with God. Worry is a sin. Worry is a lack of faith and trust in God to provide for our needs, a lack of faith and trust in trusting God to do what he promises to do throughout his word, a lack of faith and trust in trusting God to take care of us. Worry distracts us and divides us from God, his word, his people and his praise. Worry is the indicator on the dashboard of our lives that something is Out of whack. As you know, you drive around your cars, you see those lights flash on the dashboard. They're generally warning lights that let you know, hey, something's not right. Engine's not right, need to get the oil change. There's something going on with the tires, something's not happening that should be happening, something's wrong. Worry, anxiety in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is like that flashing light that lets us know, hey, something's wrong. Something's wrong. We're not trusting. The Lord. We're not thinking about the Lord. We're not turning to the Lord. We're not talking with the Lord. We're carrying too much on our own. And so we understand and realize how important it is for us to pray. Prayer helps with peace to fill our lives. That's what Paul is saying. The cause of worry is Satan's lies. The cause of worry is Satan's lies in our lives. Satan lies to us. And he tells us things like God's not with us, God's not for us, God's not going to take care of us, God's not going to provide for us, God's not listening to us, which when we hear and listen to those lies, it begins to create anxiety and and stress and worry in our lives. Satan loves to get us to play the what-if game. He loves to get us to play the what-if game, and when he gets us to play the what-if game, he always takes us to the worst possible outcome. He always presents that to us. The worst possible outcome is going to is gonna happen because if we place our minds on, well, what if I do this or whatever that, or what if this happens or what if that happens? or oh, no, what if that happens? And whatever the worst outcome of what if game, he wants us to place our focus there. Why? Because that creates anxiety and worry and stress in our lives. It divides us from God and the truth of his word, his people, his praise. And so Paul said, don't worry about anything But in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In the peace of God, as we pray, the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard. The peace of God will protect. The peace of God will stand watch over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So as we pray all the time, as we are thankful, as we pray, as we're continually praying, what happens is as we're casting those cares on the Lord, as we're presenting all of our requests to God, whatever those requests may be, if we're in conflict with one another, as we're praying for one another, as we pray, the peace of God then begins to fill our hearts and minds and the peace of God protects our hearts and minds against the lies of the enemy coming in and creating worry and anxiety in our hearts and minds and drawing us away from God. No, the peace of God stands watch over our hearts and minds and allows us to stay connected to God, focused on God, dependent on God, which frees us to live in peace with one another. It frees us to follow Jesus by faith. It frees us to resolve conflict God's way. It frees us to love one another as Christ loves us. It frees us to do all that God asks us to do. You see, the peace of God guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and it just allows us to live out our faith and trust in Jesus, to walk as Jesus walked day by day. That's why Paul said we're to pray about everything. And then the fourth point we see is prayer helps us live God's way. Prayer helps us depend on God. Prayer helps us focus on God. Prayer helps us trust in God. Prayer helps us to humble ourselves before God. Prayer helps us to walk in obedience to God. Prayer helps us live in peace with one another. What Paul wanted these ladies to do was to pray, to stop and pray, spend time in prayer with the Father, confessing their sins to God because their sin of selfishness, their sin of unresolved conflict was first and foremost against God before it was against one another. And then after they prayed to God, pray with one another, pray for one another, show forgiveness to one another so they can continue walking by faith together, contending for the message of the gospel together as sisters in Christ Jesus. One of the quickest ways for us to live in peace with one another, one of the quickest ways for us to get on that path of peace with others is to pray for others. When we are in conflict with someone, when we're in a disagreement with someone, when we have to have that difficult conversation with someone, pray, 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 pray. Pray for them. Pray with them. Prayer is vitally important when it comes to living in peace with one another, when it comes to reconciling with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We can rejoice in the Lord that we can pray to the Lord on a daily basis as often as we desire. Then the fifth point is that I must think about God and his word. You and I must think about God and his word. Verse 8, Paul continued, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Say that last phrase with me. Dwell on. On these things. If you look at that list that Paul shared, it's quite a list. God and the truth of his word meet the qualifications in verse 8. God and the truth of his word meet the qualifications. God and the truth of his word uh, is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, of moral excellence, and praiseworthy. And so we see when it comes to God's path to peace, we're going to pray all the time. We're going to pray and pray and pray, but then we're going to think about God and his word. Again, Paul reminds us that the battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought is in our minds. It's where the battlefield of spiritual warfare is fought. Every one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ is in a battle at this very moment. Every one of us. Every single one of us are battling right now, whether we realize it or not. We're battling to receive what God has for us. We're battling to stay focused on God. We're battling to not be distracted. There's a battle going on. And as we've shared many times before, Paul understands this, this is why he said, "Dwell on these things. We understand, we think, we feel, we act. That's the, that's the process of how we live. We think, we feel, we act. When we think God's ways, we feel God's ways, then we act God's ways. So I said, think about God and the truth of His Word. Likewise, when we don't think God's way, we won't feel God's ways and we won't act God's ways. Unresolved conflict, anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, And worry that we see in this passage that's going on between Eurotia and Suntike, and that's happening within the believers in the church in Philippi, all of these things are indicators that they were not thinking God's way. Because those sins were prevalent. They were worrying. They were a conflict. They were angry. They were bitter. There was resentment. There was unforgiveness. All of that. Let's us know that they were not thinking God's way. They were not feeling God's ways, and they certainly weren't acting God's ways. And so, what Paul said here is the remedy to conflict includes thinking about God and His Word. The remedy to worry includes thinking about God and His Word. The remedy to sin in our lives is to think about God. And his word. This is why Paul commanded us to dwell on, to focus on, to think about God and his word. Because it's real simple. As our thoughts go, so we go. If you're taking notes, jot that down. As our thoughts go, so we go. As your thoughts go, so you go. That's why it's so important for us to make sure that we are continually thinking about God and his word. This is all throughout the word of God. Paul told us, don't be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to test and approve, discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. What Paul told us is God transforms us. He changes you and me To be more like Jesus on a day-by-day basis, God is at work in us and he's transforming us. He's chipping away those things that don't look like Christ and he's building up those things that do look like Christ. He is transforming us in the likeness of Jesus as we renew our minds on the truth of his word. As we renew our minds on God's Word, as we read God's Word, as we study God's Word, as we renew and focus our minds on this Word, this Word gets in us. As we get in this Word, more importantly, this Word gets in us, and it goes through us to those around us. And we begin to be changed to be more like Christ. We think more like Christ. We feel the ways God wants us to feel, and then we act the ways God wants us to act. We do what He wants us to do. And so we see it is so vitally important for us to renew our minds on this word because as we renew our minds in this word, we're able to become more like Jesus and we're able to know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God for our lives because the perfect, pleasing, and good will of God for our lives is found in the word of God. So as we renew our minds on the word of God, we'll be able to understand what it is God wants from us. This is why Peter told us get your minds ready for action, be sober minded and alert for your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Peter said think about God and his word because what you don't understand and realize and what he was downloading to us is there is a battle going on in our minds the battle of spiritual warfare and our enemy is constantly prowling around looking for that opportunity to devour us with his lies because that's all he can do. He's looking for that opportunity when we're not thinking about God and his word we're not focused on the Lord, because he can then devour us with his lies, he can get us to believe his lies rather than God's truth. And when we begin believing his lies rather than God's truth, we begin to feel the way our enemy wants us to feel. And when we begin to do what he wants us to do, which is directly opposite of what God wants us to do, he leads us away from the Lord. That's why I said, get your minds ready for action. How do we get our minds ready for action? By getting in this word and thinking about God and his word, dwelling on these things, dwelling on this truth. Understanding and realizing our enemy is prowling around. He's always looking. He's always looking for that opportunity to strike. Jesus modeled this in the the wilderness. When he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He thought about his father. He thought about the word. He quoted scripture. Satan left. And so we see this. The psalmist said in Psalm 123 in verses 1 and 2, I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven, like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant's girl's eyes on her mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Our eyes are on the Lord our God. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, Ladies, get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on the Lord so you can live His way. You see, we look to the Lord so that we can learn from the Lord, so that we can live for the Lord. And that's what God wanted for these ladies. That's what God wants for us. That's what God wanted for these believers in the church in Philippi. Look to the Lord. So you can learn from the Lord, so that you can live for the Lord. Thinking about God and his word, it's so vitally important for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Oswald Chambers, the author of my almost first highest Bible scholar, said this, Our spiritual strength begins to be drained when we stop lifting our eyes to him. Our stamina is sapped not so much through external troubles surrounding us, but through problems with our thinking. Problems with our thinking. Our stamina is sapped not so much through our external troubles surrounding us. Many times we think we get exhausted by the external troubles and challenges and trials and tests of faith that we face on a daily basis that surround us. No, what he says is it's really the problem is really with our thinking. We, we get a case of stinking thinking. And we're not thinking about God in his word. And when we don't think about God in his word, then those outside external troubles become more and more and more challenging to us. James was the one who said, hey, rejoice in the Lord when you face trials of every kind. Well, how are we able to rejoice in the Lord We face trials of every kind. What it happens as we think about God and his word in those trials. Because we then realize he's with us and we're going to get through this. And we're going to be stronger as a result of it. And so we understand how vitally important it is. We must think about God and his word as followers of Jesus Christ. If we're going to live in peace with one another. We're going to live in peace with God. We must think about God and His Word. If we're going to live in peace with one another, we must think about God and His Word. If we're going to help make peace with others who are in conflict, we must help them gently and lovingly reminding them to think about God and the truth of His Word. What does God say about this issue? What does God say to this specific conflict? What does God say He wants you to do? What does the Word of God say? How does the Word of God speak to this? And then let's get in line with what the Word of God says, which is exactly what Paul continues in verse 9. The sixth point is I must do what God says. I must do what he says. He says in verse 9, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. God wants us to live what we learn from his word. God wants us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. And as followers of Jesus Christ, what we see here in verse 9 is Paul is reminding us As followers of Jesus Christ, we are witnesses for Jesus. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We are ministers for Jesus. Those are all true. Every one of us has a congregation that God's placed around us. As a follower of Jesus, we're ministers for Jesus. But we also know, and Paul makes this clear, as followers of Jesus, we're disciples of Jesus. A disciple is a lifelong learner. A disciple of Jesus is a lifelong learner. Paul understood this. Paul told these believers in this letter, later in chapter 4, I have learned the secret of being content in all my circumstances. He said, I learned through a lot of trial and error, a lot of effort, a lot of successes, a lot of failures. I learned what it is to be content when I have a lot, when I have a little. When I'm full or when I'm hungry. Whatever my circumstances, I've learned to be content in those. Paul shared with these believers. They thought, some of these believers actually thought so much of Paul that they thought Paul had reached spiritual perfection. They thought he had, he had got to the top. He learned it all. He knew it all from God and the Word. And Paul said, no, 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 no. He said, no, I've not already attained all that. He said, I'm a follower of Jesus. That means I'm a disciple of Jesus. He said, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on each day. Toward the goals God's called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul understood he was a disciple of Jesus. So Paul, as he shares here in verse 9, taught them God's word when he was with them. He taught them God's Word. In this letter to them, he wrote to them about God's Word. These believers, as Paul said, heard God's Word from Paul. They learned God's Word. That means they understood what Paul was teaching them. They received That means they accepted what they heard that Paul was teaching them, which they understood. They received it as God's truth for their lives. So they heard and learned and received God's word through Paul. And then Paul said, you've also seen God's word in action in my life. Paul lived out the truth of God's word before them as he spent time with them ministering in Philippi. Hearing, learning, receiving, and seeing God's word in action is great. Hearing, learning, receiving, and seeing God's word in action is not enough. Paul said hearing, learning, receiving, seeing God's word in action is meant to lead us to doing God's word. Paul said do What you have learned and received and seen and heard, do it. You see, our challenge each day as a follower of Jesus Christ is to know and show God and the truth of his word to all those he places around us. It's to know and show God and his word to all those he places around us. As we think about God and his word, we're then able to do what God wants us to do in his word. And the great news, the humbling news, the exciting news is the God of peace will be with us to help us. That's what he says here. He said, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, what he wanted these ladies to understand is God, the God of peace was with these ladies to help them live in peace with one another, to help them love one another, to help them reconcile with one another, to help them settle their differences, to help them resolve their conflict, to help them contend at his side for the good news of the gospel, to help them to continue growing together as sisters in Christ Jesus. All they needed to do was submit to God, surrender to God and do what God says. And the good news for us today is the God of peace is with us to help us live in peace with one another, to help us love one another like Jesus, to help us live for Jesus together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, to help us resolve our conflicts God's way, to help us settle our differences, to help us live a path of peace that allows us not to only live in peace with those that God has placed around us, but to help us make peace with those who were in conflict. All we need to do is the same thing these ladies and the believers in Philippi need to do, and that is submit to God, surrender to God, and to do what he says. And we're able to do what God says by God's power at work in us as we depend on God. His power unleashed and at work in and through us as we simply humbly depend on him. God will empower us to do what he says. God will use us as we do what he says. God will bless us as we do what he says. God will allow and enable us to live in peace with one another as we do what he says. And doing what God says is always best for us and all those around us. Amen? It's always best. Whatever you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, Paul said. Do these things, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you to help you every step of your way day by day to live your life pleasing to him and to be a blessing to all those he places around us. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response to the Lord. God is speaking to us and he wants us to respond to him. Maybe your response is to spend time in prayer. The altar, is open as it always is, to come and do business with the Father, to pray with someone. Or maybe just spend, simply spend time on your knees with the Father by yourself. Responding in obedience to him as he's working in your life. Maybe it's to renew your commitment to think about God and his word. To renew your commitment to get into the word. Maybe it's to renew your commitment just to ask God to help empower you to walk in obedience, to do what he asks you to do today in your relationships this week as you go about all that he's got planned for you to do exactly what it is he wants you to do. Maybe God's placed someone on your heart and your mind that you need to go and seek to live in peace with. Maybe it's... Folks, you need to go and seek to make peace with, because you know that they are in conflict with others. God's Spirit is moving and speaking to us. He desires us to step out in obedience to Him and trust in Him. And as we share it as well, the good news of the gospel once again is clear. God has opened the way for us to enter a relationship with him, to receive forgiveness of sins, to know him personally by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death in our place on the cross of Calvary, paying the price for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. Salvation, a relationship with God is available to all who will believe in Jesus, repent of their sins, confessing them to God, and placing their faith and trust in Jesus. Today is a great day. Say yes to Jesus. It's the best day, the best time to say yes to Jesus is right now. Let's stand and let's worship and respond to the Father this morning.